Please turn your Bible over to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, as a church, we've been in the book of Ephesians for quite some time, right? Feels like two years already. <laughs> um, whether we're going to be reading first uh, the verse verses 1 to 7, and we're only going to be tackling verse 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Renounce pagan ways. Verse 3 reads, But fornication and impurity of any kind or greed must not even be mentioned among you, as is proper among saints. Entirely out of place is obscene, silly, and vulgar talk, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Be sure of this, that no fornicator or impure person or one who is greedy, that is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be associated with them. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for another day that we are able to praise and worship you and honor you with our lives and be in this church and with this body of believers that you have chosen for us. We thank you for all the blessings that you have given to us this entire week. We thank you for our health, for our family, our businesses and our careers, our work. Thank you for this message that we're about to receive, Father. We ask for your Holy Spirit to anoint me, Father, and teach your people, Father, through the words that you have chosen for me to say and to put on paper. Father, open the hearts and the minds of everyone that is here and be, will be listening to this message. Give us the understanding and help us, Father, accept whatever it is that you want us to receive and learn and hear. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. In Jesus' sweet and mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. The title of our message tonight is Be Like Mike. Cross that, actually, we want to be like Christ. Right? I learned about the strike through, so that I've been playing with it. <laughs> be like Mike. Remember this? For if you're old enough, you remember who Michael Jordan is. Like it's not the shoe only. He's the he's the guy that made such an impact to the sporting world and the business world. Do you guys know the song, the jingle? I'm not going to try to sing it, so you can sing it in your head, okay? It says, sometimes I dream that he is me. You've got to see that's how I dream to be like Mike. I dream I move, I dream I groove like Mike. If I could be like Mike, like Mike, oh, I could be like Mike, like Mike. Be like Mike again. I try, just need to fly. For just one day I could be that way I dream. I move, I dream, I groove like Mike. See, the, there, that became popular. That was being sang in his uh, Gatorade commercial. And then it says here, sometimes I dream, I, sometimes I feel this dream is real. The shots I make, nobody else would take. I seem to soar, can hear the roar like Mike. Oh, I could be like Mike. <laughs> Some of you are not appreciating, but I'm, I'm having this giddy feeling. Like, this is, this is big. Remember this when... I mean, this is in the sporting world, but I don't know what's big for you. 
if it's a business world that's big for you, then you have that certain hero and certain person that you looked up to or still look up to. And you want to be that person. You want to have his accomplishments or more. Now, for, for our topic tonight, the sporting world and the sportswear marketing world was never the same after this particular person, Michael Jordan. It has reshaped. He reshaped it. Did you know that in 1988, 1998, Fortune magazine estimated that Jordan, Michael Jordan, had a $10 billion impact on the U.S. economy. That's the, you can read it in Forbes magazine. That figure dubbed the Jordan, quote-unquote, the Jordan effect, reflected projection, projections of Jordan's influence on numerous e economic activities. So it's, it, there's, there's, there are those certain people that make such a huge impact to the world, and one of them is this guy. And a lot of people, other than just that song that sounds like a love song to Mike or a prayer for some, right? Before they play, they sing that like, wanna be. <laughs> I said, I'm not gonna sing. Okay. But, there, but for us Christians, what we just read, Paul said that we are to become imitators of God, right? Easy, right? Imitators of God, sure. Easy, right? No, it's impossible, right? It's close to impossible. It's a lofty goal. It's Bible is easier read than done. For some of you, you have a hard time reading it, but it's 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 easier read than done. Now, in Paul's letter, he begins chapter five with that lofty goal for the Christians in Ephesus. Right? And then for us here at FICF, to be imitators of God. So tonight, I know we read seven verses, but we're going to be tackling only verse 1 and 2, which is, for me, it's the foundational, it's the reason why we want to do 3 and the rest of chapter 5. To be, in this church, we say to know Christ and to become like Him. Right? But there's, no way, there's no, no way to become like him if we don't know who Christ is. And there's, there's more traits of Jesus. And here, there's just 10 that we, I, I have here. He's compassionate. He's a servant, he has a servant heart. He's, he, he's loving. He's forgiving. He's committed. He's gentle. He's prayerful. He's patient. He has self-control. And Jesus is humble. Right? Now, there's the one particular person, again, just to kind of emphasize the imitation part. There's this one particular person that really lived up to that, to be like Mike. And his name's Kobe Bryant. He studied, he befriended, he did everything. He worked harder or as hard as Michael Jordan did. And it's arguably that he was the closest one that ever made it to be like Mike. Some argues that he's better. John, John, are we ready? Please in, just indulge with me for a few more minutes. And we have a video to show because somebody compiled this. To be, so the whole point is imitate, right? Ready? Okay. They are just a standard that's above in all cases. If you electronically switch...
church. Uh, <laughs> see, it, it, there's an imitation part there. And somebody worked as hard as Kobe, he worked so hard to become Michael and to play like Michael. And he maybe, arguably, he achieved as close as, as much as he did. But there's hard work there. And there's focus there. And us Christians, Paul said, to be imitators of God. To be imitators of God. So what are we doing? So Christians, the question is, the charge is, do you really think that your five-minute devotion and your two-minute prayer every day, I'm giving you benefit of the doubt, you're praying every day and you're doing a, your five-minute devotion every day, can actually be enough for you to tackle the world. And you're going to be at work for eight hours, 12 hours for some of you, 16 hours for some of you, every day. The world that is always out there to get you, always out there to get us, to devour us, right? But you think, you really think, your five-minute devotion, it became five minutes because you were distracted. You were looking at Facebook and you were reading, oh, yes. Oh, what? Somebody liked my picture. So it's become five minutes. A two-minute read became a five-minute because you're going back and forth. But see, there's a charge there. Do you want to become like Christ? Because if you want to become like Christ, we need to really find out who Christ is and how Christ lived, right? That's why, that's why again, in the church we say to know Christ, that's critical, to know Christ. For you to become like Christ, you need to know Him. Again, going back to those two guys, Michael and, and Michael Jordan said in the funeral of Kobe Bryant, he said that Kobe will text him at 11.30 in, at night asking, asking him about basketball things. Do you see how obsessed he was? Now, the question is, are we that obsessed with Christ, with God? Do we, do we even at, at, at 11.30 at night, do we say, Lord, can you help me live for you tomorrow? Or do we just say at 11.30 at night, the prayer is like, Lord, I, I screwed up again. I yelled at my wife again. I'm so sorry. Is that mostly of our prayer? Or, like, or this at 11.30, Lord, it's 11.30. I got to work at 6. Can you please put me to sleep? Is that our prayer? Or is it, is it like, Lord, help me be victorious tomorrow. I failed today, but Lord, because of your love and grace and mercy, I want to know more of you. Can you give me that hunger? You know, Ati Ching just gave her testimony. You know, she, she comes to church faithfully on Sunday. She didn't say that, right? But we, we know it, right? And then she goes to prayer meeting, and with that, on top of that prayer meeting, she has her Bible study to do. And I'm pretty sure she's praying on her own, right? Because there's, there's that obsession of God. There's, there's, we want to be like God. So, the traits of Jesus, he's compassionate, he's, he's a servant, he's loving, he's forgiving, he's committed, he's gentle, he's prayerful, patient, self-control, humble. Are you, oh, I lost that screen. Um, I, the three points tonight that we're going to be tackling Uh, is is um, we're gonna we're gonna see humble, not prideful, and unselfish. Is it is it ready, John? John, John, the next screen, please. Uh, second point will be unselfish and servant heart, and then third is the loving and truthful of, of Jesus Christ. So that's why we come to church, right? We praise 
and worship Him and honor Him and thank Him for everything that He's done for us. And then we study who He is so that we can live like Him. Amen? Amen. First point, humble, not prideful. Uh, the verse here, this is verse 1. It says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And then Philippians 2, 5 to 8 reads, let this same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Before I tackle that, I want to tell you guys about our friend Bong. Bong decided... Bong decided to take his friend, um, what's his name? His friend Buboy. They went on a mount. They did they did the mountain climbing. You know the the thing with the the rope and everything. Very dangerous rock climbing. They picked it up, and you know Bong. We all know, right? Bong's kind of prideful, so Bong wasn't taking all the precautions he needed to do. So Buboy was going first. If you've done mountain climbing, the, the, fir the, top, the first guy will kind of pull the, the, the guy in the bottom, but they have a rope to kind of guide each other. Uh, Bong, because of his arrogance, fell. Fell down and he broke his back. And he, had, he lost all his uh, capacity to move his arms and, and stand up. The only thing that was working with Bong is his mouth. Right? So... Boo Boy was all up, already up there, and he goes, what am I going to do? What are we going to do? I, I, should I go down there? And, and, and Bong goes, no, no, don't waste your time. I have an idea. I'm going to bite on the rope, and you're going to pull me up. So Boo Boy goes, all right, so before that, I'll call the paramedics. So as he was pulling, you know, you could imagine how hard it is, like, pulling. But then Bong has a strong grip. It's like a pit bull. He locks, you know. So he's pulling him up, pulling him up. And then as he was getting close, the paramedics also got there. And the paramedics were amazed on how they were doing this. The paramedic guy was like, was this your idea? This is such a great idea. I mean, how could you have thought about that for him to bite on the rope and pull him up here? This, and then, come here, come here. The, the paramedics called the cops and the fire department. Look what they did. This guy did a great, have, had a great, Bubui wasn't being honest to kind of give Bong the credit. And Bong was just he was flaming. He was like, that's not, in his mind, it's not his idea. It's not his idea. And then the sheriffs came, and you know, it was like a party on top, just admiring the work. And then, right, Bong just had enough of it. He said, it's not his idea. <laughs> Some got it. Some people got it. Deborah got it. <laughs> right? Pride gets us in trouble. Right? Our pride gets us in trouble. And as Christians, if we're prideful, it doesn't glorify God. It doesn't. Because our God, our God, right? When he came down, because Christmas is almost, almost here again for us, God did not have a big celebration, you know, like a grand entrance, like in the Olympics when that guy with the torch is about to come, right? There's a grandiose event that this is happening. No, it was a small seed that went to a teenager, an insecure teenager, no hoopless whatsoever. It happened in the manger, 
There was no big event. There's no special announcement other than, other than the angel to Mary. That was it. Nothing else. It was all written down, but nobody cared. Our God is so humble. But with us, right? But with us, we, what do we want? We want our names on the program. I'm not going to sing if my name is not on the program. I'm not going to perform if my, the camera on the Facebook Live is not on me. I don't want to serve God if it's not in front. I'm tired being in the back. I don't want to serve God if the attention is not on me. And you know what? I'm not getting enough thank yous. I'm done serving. Right? It's, there's, there's difference. There's a huge difference. If we want to become like God, if we want to be imitators of God, there has to be humility. The number one thing that we all have is pride. And the number one thing that must go first is pride. Because if we want to be like Christ, we have to be humble. Now, I don't know if any of us, when we were growing up, we were saying, I want to be like Jesus. I dream like Jesus. I, I dream like I, I move like Jesus. Like I want to, I, I dreamt that to be crucified like Jesus. No, because how, we, how did we see Jesus? We, we, we see Jesus as a humble person, a person who got crucified, right? A person that was poor, we know that. When we're in our holy notion, we're like, oh yeah, I want my children to be like Christ. And then they said, hey mom, dad, I'm going to be a missionary. What are you thinking, missionary? You're going to finish college first. What is wrong with you? <laughs> right? Well, we say, oh, I want my children to be like Christ. I want to be like Christ. We say, I want to be like Jesus because to know Christ, to become like him. That's what's said there at church. And I believe it. I buy into it. I'm sold. And then the persecution happens. You're like, never mind. You're supposed to share the gospel. You're like, I don't know. Call Pastor Joe. Because it's too embarrassing to be confrontive, right? To be confrontational. Somebody's challenging the faith. They're saying, you know, it's, it's not what's, that's not what's written down. And you're just cower because you don't want to be in an argument. But Christ is he's bold, he's humble, right? Look at that. To the point of death. Why is that always emphasized by Paul? Because to the point of death on the cross. Because we all know, right? We all know that it is the most excruciating way to die. And that death was only given to the worst of all, the worst criminal of all. But our Lord was innocent. But He was humble enough to take it. Why? Because for His love for us. Because He knows we need it. Now, sacrificial love is what Christ, God's love is. So we are to be loving like God. Loving, not the love where you've lost the love you feel, right? Because we think love is an emotion, right? But then, do we always love everybody, especially the annoying ones? No. No, it's so hard to love the annoying ones. Sometimes we're the annoying ones. Nobody loves us, right? It's so hard, but love that, that is written down that Christ has is beyond emotional love. It's sacrificial love. It's sacrificial love. Do you guys, we all know what sacrifice is. We know what it means, right? But do, do we actually apply it? Is it actually a sacrifice on your part if you have, let's say, you have 20 TVs at your house, three every room, 
right? And in the bathroom. And then you have a church member that says, oh, you know, uh, our house burned down and we need a TV. And you say, oh, I'll give you one. Is that really a sacrifice, a huge sacrifice in your part? No. Yeah, 20. You're down to 19. You're not going to die, right? Sacrificial love is like the, the parable of the, the Good Samaritan, right? He got off his donkey. He helped his enemy, a person that hates him and his race. He got off his donkey, mended the, the injury of his enemy, carries this person who hates him, puts him on his donkey, and then he walks many miles while his enemy is sitting in his donkey that he paid for. It brings him to a motel, Motel 6, I think. <laughs> motel 7. Um, motel, and then he paid. And then he said, before he left, he said, hey, if you still need more, I will pay for it. Just take good care of it. That's sacrificial love. That's sacrificial love. That's the kind of love, and that's the only way you can have that sacrificial love is if you're humble. Because if you're prideful, this is your reaction. If your enemy needs your help, and you're prideful, what are you going to say? Manigaska. <laughs> How do you say that in English? Freeze. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know. That's, there's a, that's an idiom. You know, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I should have written it down. Right? We say, who cares? Right? Are you suffering? Well, I hate you. And you've been mean to me. You haven't, what have you done for me lately? Nothing but grief. So, I could care less. Right? In the Filipino, it's just so, so much powerful. Manigaska. Right? Now, Jesus did not, Jesus not, Jesus did not have to become like us. Do we know that? He did not have to come down to rescue us. The people that have offended him. He did not have to come down from heaven to, to become what? To be treated the way, we treat, that, the way he was treated? He did not have to do that. But he humbled himself. He did not have to be born in a manger. He owns everything. He could have been born in, in a castle with trumpets playing and the bed of roses. Right? No, he, did, he didn't do that. Much more suffered death. A death for a criminal. But he did that. That's our Christ. So if we are to become like Christ, Christians, little Christ, aren't we supposed to be humble? But the world tells us to be not that, though. The world tells us, right, that pe the world, the people will treat you the way you see yourself. Right? So how do we see ourselves? Do we say, I want to be like Mike? Or do we say, I want to be like Christ? So if you want to be like Christ, you have to be humble. Here's the story about the USS carrier Lincoln. Now, this is a transcript of a radio conversation of a U.S. naval ship with Canadian authorities off the coast of Newfoundland in October 1995. This is a true story. This is the radio conversation released by the Chief of Naval Operations. Um, again, October 10, 1995. Americans, this is the Americans, they said, 
Please divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid a collision to the Canadians, right? The Canadians said, recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. So if you're an American, we're all Americans and we're all Filipinos, but we're Americans. Nobody tells us what to do, right? Especially if you're in the military. <laughs> Americans, this is the captain of a U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. Canadians, no. I say again, you divert your course, eh? <laughs> I added that one. Oh, and the Americans, the Americans, again, this is like all caps, right? He's yelling. This is the aircraft carrier USS Lincoln, the second largest ship in the United States Atlantic Fleet. We are accompanied by three destroyers, three cruisers, and a num numerous support vessels. I demand that you change your course 15 degrees north. That's 15 degrees north, or countermeasures will be undertaken to ensure the safety of this ship. Canadians, this is a lighthouse. <laughs> your call. <laughs> Canadians were just trying to help them, right? But pride makes us not know, not accept the reality. Our pride has blinded us, Christians, that we have been saved by the Lord because of grace, that we too before and still sometimes sin. We are to be humble. We are to be humble enough to know that people need the Lord. And then if we're going to be prideful, we're going to be, we're not going to be, we're not, be, we're not going to be able to help them. We're, people are going to be turned off. A lot of people, like Gandhi, who started the big movement in his own religion, right? He said, I love your Jesus. I just don't like your Christians. Most of the time, we turn people off, away from Christ, rather than bringing them to Christ because of our bad attitude, mostly because of our pride. And pride is just like body odor. <laughs> I'm not, I shouldn't make, I shouldn't make any eye contact with you guys right now. <laughs> it's like body odor. Everybody knows you have it except you. Everybody knows you stink. <laughs> no, everybody here smells good. I'm just saying that's what pride is. Everybody knows you have it except you. So humility, humility is, is something that Christ has and humility is something we, if we want to be like Christ, if we want to be imitators of God, we need to practice and exercise and have. Amen? Amen. Second point. That was just the first point. <laughs> wow. Two hours. Unselfish and servant heart. Verse 2 says, gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And Mark 10 to 45 reads, For even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' humility points him, it, his humility points to him being a servant leader. Right? So if, 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 just like Vince, if Vince gets appointed to become a deacon and the deacons here, or if you are a, a ministry leader, 
You are to have a heart of a servant leader, not a dictator. Not an authoritarian, but a servant leader. Because if the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, but to give his life as ransom for many. Again, is that humility too at the same time? And he's always willing to serve. Jesus was always serving. He wasn't waiting to be served like, all right, guys, pot bless. Somebody get me a plate, please. Another plate. What are you thinking? Only one? I can eat two. Servant heart is servant heart in the, is, is always wanting to help, always looking for those opportunities to be of service. That's what a Christian is. But again, you can't do that if you're, if you're prideful because you just want to take your spot there and you want people to give you things. You have to be grateful I became a member of this church. Now you have to serve me. <laughs> I love it. A lot of work there. But see, it's... If we want to be like Christ, again, to know Christ, He Himself gave Himself for us as a fragrant offering. Fragrant offering. Sacrificial love. Jesus' humility points to Him having a servant heart. His service also points to His humility because He doesn't do this to glorify Himself, but God the Father. And He didn't do this so He can be somebody popular. He did this because of us. He died on the cross for our sins, not his. And then if he wanted, if he's some God that's just egotistic, he would have just said, die, 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 right? Everybody was trying to hit him or wants to crucify him. Just, he could have just said the word. And everybody would have just dropped dead and he would have not suffered on the cross. But he's so humble and he came to serve. So now, Christians, if you want to be like Christ, do you have a servant heart? Do you have a servant heart? Again, you cannot have that servant heart if you're not humble. Because I've seen people who are servants, they have a servant heart, but are prideful. Because the minute, the minute they were told, you're not supposed to do that, their pride ate them and said, who are you to tell me what not to do? I have been serving this way in this manner, this long, this consistent. And you're going to tell me that I am not to be this? That's pride. That's why we started with humility. We started with the heart. Humility is what truly matters that brings you to your service. Because everybody here, the church, the church, this FICF church, is God's way to bless us the ones that are called to become a part of it so that we can serve God in this body. In the ministries that's available there, there for you to serve in, those are God's gift for us to exercise and, and then to return and to, to, to just serve Him. But without a humble heart, you, you won't see that. And without a humble heart, your servant, you being a servant will not be glorifying to God. Here's an illustration. Uh, John 13, 4 to 9. 
He took off his outer robe. This is Jesus after having dinner, supper with the, with the, the, the disciples and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, you do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no share with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Give me a bath, he said. <laughs> right? But this, this, this is, the, I mean, who in our culture, the Filipino culture, who likes to wash feet? You know, in their culture, too, that was for the lowest of the servants. The lowest of the low, mind you, there was a hierarchy in the servants. And then the lowest of them was the one who will wash feet. Because during that time, there was no concrete. And there was no Nikes to cover your feet. So everybody's feet were dirty. And there were no colognes. There were perfumes, but they put that on their, on their head, right? So the feet of the disciples must have been so dirty and must have not smelled well. Too good. But Jesus said, the God of the universe said, let me wash your feet. Is that humility and being a servant put together? Humility and being a servant put together. If we want to be like Christ, those things need to be together. We have to have it. So in our jingle, in our prayer, Lord, I want to be like Christ. I dream I move to wash people's feet figuratively, <laughs> right? It's, and then, I mean, that's the God of the universe. Folks, God has done so much for us. And he continues to do so much for you. Everything that we have, the Bible says, is from God. Amen? Everything, everything. Your capacity to understand. Your strength to get up in the morning and go to work. The protection that you were given driving from these, this freeway to that freeway with all these Californians moving in. That's all protection from God. That's God protecting you. All, every, everything that you have is from Him. So does He deserve your praise? Does He deserve your all? Does He deserve for you to be humble? Does He deserve for you to serve Him even in the smallest or grossest way. Now, in, 16th, in the 16th century Holland, the Mennonites were outlawed and, were, and when caught, they were often executed, a group of, group of people. Now, one of them, his name is Dirk Willens, again, this is a true story, was being chased across an Iceland when his pursuer broke through and fell in an ice field. Right? So the pursuer, the guy that was going to catch him, and if he gets caught, he's going to die, fell in the ice. The ice broke and fell in the water. In response to his cries for help, Willens, who's a Christian, returned and saved him from the waters. Saved the pursuer. The pursuer was grateful and astonished 
that he would do such thing. But nevertheless, he arrested him because the pursuer thought it was his duty. A few days later, Willens was executed by being burned at the stake in the town of Aspirin. It was precisely his Christ-likeness that brought him on his execution. I have to tell you, I won't help him. I'm going to keep running. You know? Because if they're going to burn me, if I know what's behind, what's, what's behind, what's the consequence, once he catches me, I'm going to keep going. But this Christian went back and helped the guy. Now the thing should have been, Wilkins should have shared the gospel to the pursuer to change his heart, right? <laughs> but he didn't. No, but isn't, did you see that? That's like Christ coming down to rescue his enemies, us. Right? In Romans 5 it says, For when Christ died for us while we were his enemies, he died for us. He died for our sins while we were against him. God did not wait for us to turn our lives around and says, all right, now that you have changed your mind, I will die for your sins. No, he died many years ago for us. So why all of a sudden, now that we have been walking with God and we realize all these things and we know all these things, do we walk this life in a proud manner, in an entitled manner? There's no humility in us. There's no serving in us. We just want to be served. Now, in a world that is full of selfies, likes, hearts, followers, popularity is key. Humility and being a servant isn't popular. Amen? It's not. And if you announce that, everybody will say, what is wrong with you? What? Humble? What is that? You know, during, the Ephes uh, during Paul's time too, humility wasn't a thing. It was frowned upon. They didn't even have a word for it. The Greeks didn't even have a word for humility. So it, going back, it's just, if you want to be like Christ, we have to focus on these things. We have to really change our ways. Now we know it, now we just need to do it. We need to be willing. And if you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, you know that the things that He tells us to do, we cannot do. But the only thing that he tells us is just be willing because he will meet you where you are. Amen? That's the same thing that he told Gideon. Remember in Judges 6? He said, go with the strength that you have. Am I not calling you? It's the person that has called us. And it's God, who, almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God. He is, it's him who has called us to do these things. We just need to be willing. Are you willing to be like Christ? Nobody. <laughs> if you're willing to be like Christ, God will meet you where you are. If you're willing to be humble, God will meet you where you are, and He will enable you. You just need to consent and say, Lord, I want to be humble. Lord, I want to serve you. I, I want to have that servant heart. Just be willing. This is what the world is now. This, this is written by Paul in 2 Timothy 3, 1-5. This is the Passion Translation. But you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extreme, extremely fierce. 
People will be self-centered, lovers of themselves, and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in the arrogant pride and mock all that is right. Is that what's happening right now? They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander. Slaves to their desires, they will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of the loving God. They may pretend to have respect for God, but in reality, in reality, they, will, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. I think this was written down about our culture, our society. But mind you, it was already like this during their time too. It's just worse now. You, 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 you say that you're for God and you're pro-life. People will call you a bigot and a racist and a close-minded one. You say you love God, you love Jesus, they're going to say you're racist. <laughs> I don't know why, but you're racist and you're stupid. You're close-minded. The Bible was written many years ago. It's no, it no longer applies to our society. Well, then, this is the end of times, right? The final days are here. With this, I go with the third point, loving and truthful. Jesus is always loving, amen? amen. But His love, He didn't compromise truth. With His love, He always tells the truth. Imagine me as a parent, and I know that it will lead my children, if, if drinking and driving will lead my children to hurt themselves or other people, would I be okay with Alonzo to do that? And I'll say, well, you know, because I love him. So he's arguing with me, so I don't want him not to love me, so I'll kind of water down the consequences of drinking and driving. I love, I love Gianna, so I'll just, I won't argue with her about premarital, premarital sex. Then I'll say that out, sex outside marriage is, is not a sin because that's what everybody does now. You don't need to be married now, right? You just need to work out your relationship, right? That's what the world says now, but I'm going to be untruthful because I'm focused on love first. Now, the, the true love, true love tells the truth. And no one else can do that except Jesus, consistently and purely. Parents can manipulate and say, oh, I love you and this is the truth, but really they want control. Same thing with children. Children can say, I love you, mom, I love you, dad, but this is the truth. But they're really just trying to manipulate things. And you've been in a relationship, you know you probably have done it or it has been done to you. But God never, never says He's loving and truthful for His own benefit. He's always loving and tells us the truth for our own benefit. And live in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 1 Corinthians 13.6 reads, Love joyfully 
celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. That's the kind of relationship you want to have with your husband, your wife, your friend, your parents, your children. Real love doesn't celebrate in the wrong. You know, Abraham Lincoln was once asked in a, in a gathering. Uh, he asked, Abraham Lincoln asked the people, he said, how many legs would a sheep have if it, it's, if it, if it called his tail a leg? Is that clear? Let me repeat it. Abraham Lincoln asked them, how many legs would a sheep have if it called his tail a leg? The deputation, the people around him said, they promptly said, five. No, said Lincoln. It would not. It would have only four. Calling a tail a leg doesn't make it one. Right? Calling it a leg doesn't make a tail one. In this world, they have accepted many things that the Bible doesn't agree with. Not because the many is doing it, it makes it right. Let's just pretend that all of you decide to hang me. <laughs> Such a gruesome example. You guys all decide to hang him, crucify him, crucify him. Does it make it right? Somebody will say, well, I don't know, man. You've been irritating me for the past six years. It kind of is justified now. No, right? There has to be truth. And the, the, the truth, the boundary of truth and false, there has to be a determining factor. What is good and evil, there has to be something that defines it. And it is the Bible, the Word of God. The Word of God is what tells us what is good and what is evil, not CNN. Not what's, not, is not what's popular on social media, right? Because homosexuality is pretty much accepted now, and if you are not with it, then what? But the Bible says it's wrong. Because not getting married now and having sex outside marriage is acceptable doesn't mean you have to get married, right? There's that pressure now for you to keep yourself pure. Everybody else, you're, everybody else is doing it. Why would I do it? Why wouldn't I do it? The Bible says, God said, abortion is wrong because it's murder. Was well, my body my choice? I guess not if it becomes an, about vaccination, right? It all depends now on who, who it is. Now, there's, there's this. We, we read this, but I'll tackle this next week. The fornication. But fornication and impurity of any kind or greed must not even be mentioned among you, as is proper among saints. Entirely out of place and obscene. Vulgar talk. But only be about thanksgiving. You see, there's, there's, Paul was tackling this. He started with the humility. He started with become like God. And then he drops the bomb on the Ephesian church because they were doing this at church. They did not turn away from their old ways. Yes, we are saved by grace, not by works, but we are to change. We are to remove our old self and put in the new self. It's not so that we can stay saved, 
But it's because so we can bring people to Christ and then we can glorify God and please Him. Pastor John MacArthur said, the true gospel is a call to self-denial. It is not a call to self-fulfillment. Isn't that the truth? Why is that? And then there's this uh, uh, Pastor Lecrae. No, he's not a pastor. Lecrae, I put that in there for the young guys. Freedom in Christ allows you to control the desires that once controlled you. He's a Christian rapper. Well, he's a crapper that's a Christian, he says. <laughs> Do you guys see this? Do we agree with this? We have to agree with this. Christianity is not about self-fulfillment. Christianity is about self-denial because a lot of our old self wants to satisfy that person. The sensuality part. For many of you, you were, you, were, you, were, you were doing crazy things before with your life. And as a Christian now, you are to no longer do those things. You have to deny yourself. There's, and if you love God, that's, self, self, that's sacrificial love. If you love God, you must deny yourself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus said that, right? If any of you wants to become my disciple, he must take up his cross daily and come follow me. Luke 9, 23. That's our introduction. I'm kidding. <laughs> Almost done. For our guests, they're like, what, man? John 8, this is an illustration. Remember the, the woman that was caught in adultery? Right? I know, I use this a lot because it, it applies so much for us. The woman that was caught in adultery. The truth there is, the truth there is, she needed to die through stoning. And Jesus said, he who has not, he who has not sinned, cast the first stone. Applying truth. Correct? Applying truth. And then Jesus asked, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And she said, no, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. And then look at this. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Christians, we are saved from our sins so that we don't keep sinning. But we are saved from our sins so that we will be living our lives to glorify God, to please God, to live for Him, to deny ourselves. Because He saved us just like the woman, but he says this, go and sin no more. It is no longer I who lives, Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live for him who loved me and gave himself for me. Right? Remember? Yes, last week, Galatians 2.20. And here, 1 John 5.2, as we close. I know we talked a lot about heavy things here. It's heavy because it's convicting. We don't usually walk the walk perfectly, right? But that's not to stop us from learning the truth. And that is not to stop us to say, Lord, help me to live for you. First John 5 to reads, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments. You can't say you love God and you don't obey Him. You can't. You love yourself more. You stay in that sinful relationship, that means you love yourself more and you love the other person more. You keep sinning, you keep sinning, you keep committing premarital sex or 
you, you keep harming yourself through drugs and stuff, and you're not honoring your parents, you're cheating on your husband, you're cheating on your wife, and you say, I love God? No. You don't love God. You love yourself more. So, Christians, we are saved by grace. Amen? Praise God. His grace and His mercy is new every morning. But it doesn't neglect, it doesn't remove the truth that if we love Him, we are to obey His commands. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Thank you for your patience. Father, we thank you for your message for us this evening. We thank you for the truth that you have given to us. We pray right now, Lord God, for your Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit to empower us, to enable us, Lord God, to live for you, to live for you, Father God. May we stop living for ourselves, especially at the part where we are straying away from your truth. I pray right now, Lord God, for my brothers and sisters that are struggling with a sin. I pray, Father, that you will just give them the strength the strength, Lord God, to say the words, Lord, help me. And Father, I pray that you give us the heart to be willing, to be willing to live for you, to be true to our word. Forgive us, Father, for our shortcomings. Father, may you bless everyone that's in this building. May you attend to their needs, restore broken relationships, heal those who are sick. We pray for your protection. Help us to live for you. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, let's, uh, let's all stand so we can sing our closing hymn. And if you have any decisions you want to make this evening, uh, for our guests who have not accepted Christ as their Lord, if you would like to do that, please come up so we can lead you into that prayer. Um, for those of you who have been visiting us for quite some time and you'd like God has impressed in your heart to become a part of this church, please come up so we can recognize you. Or if you just need prayer, please come up so we can pray for you.